So You Think You Want to Work in TV is brought to you by you. That's right. You guys support this podcast, and I rely on your donations to keep this train a-going. So please go to so you think you want to work in TV.com, click on that upper left-hand corner where it says donate and make a one-time donation, or visit our Patreon and become a monthly subscriber where you will absolutely get exclusive content. So uh, become a supporter, won't you? You know you want to. Do you guys want to know who is a ray of sunshine and a total delight? Roger Lundblade, that's who. This is the go-to guy for warm-up for half-hour multi-cam shows. And thank God they're coming back because this guy's working like crazy again. There was a time, there was a time when everything was going single cam that he was like, oh no, how am I going to... How am I going to live? Uh, but all these multicam shows have made a comeback and some of them are reboots and they invited him back. Like he did the original Will and Grace and now he's back doing the new Will and Grace and he's fantastic, has such passion about what he does, really cares about what he does. He is a solid pro and I'm so grateful that he sat down to talk with me because this is an occupation that a lot of people who, you know, they want to work in TV, but they don't know where they would fit in. And this is something that a lot of people wouldn't even know this job existed. Like, oh, wait, I could be a warm up. Well, don't I have to be a stand up comedian? Comedian? Not necessarily. You could just be someone with a rad personality. I mean, Roger did some stand up, but he is a warm up. That is his gig. That is his career. And he rescues bulldogs. You'll hear about that at the end of the episode. I mean, he's a good person. Okay, let's just say that really good person. But, you know, there are lots of jobs in TV where you can find where you fit in and have a really great career like Roger has. So get to know this guy. He's so great. And if you ever come to L.A. to see a half hour show taping, tell him you heard him on the podcast. He'll be thrilled. Hi, Roger. Hi, nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. This is the first time we've ever met each other. It is. It's the first time I've ever seen you naked, too. This is so cool. I can't believe we're sitting in the Starbucks. I know. Can you believe it? Well, listen, I've been working out, so I'm showing it off. Right, exactly. Why not? <laughs> I want to get arrested. Yeah. Um, Adam Spiegelman introduced me to you, and yeah. I was so thrilled that you were like, yeah, I'll do your podcast, and I don't know who you are. It's fantastic. So for the audience, Roger's one of the longest. He's You're one of the top warm-up comics in Los Angeles. I take great pride in that, yeah. Yeah, and it, your website's amazing. Um, it's rogerlundblade.com or it dot is indeed, net, yeah. dot com. Okay, Either warmupguy.com or rogerlundblade.com. Uh, and uh, what? So how did you start out in the world of stand-up? It's funny. Or um, warm-up, rather. Born and raised in Orange County, don't judge. And... Um, <laughs> I got a job out of college. I was working in advertising for an ad agency and realized I absolutely hated what I was doing. And I was looking for a way out. And I had been waiting tables all through college. And somebody saw me and said, hey, you would be great for cruise ships. Got a job in 1982 as a crew staff member working for a, a small cruise line called Sitmar Cruises that has been since been bought out by Princess, who's then bought out by Carnival. And I worked my way up. I was on it for years and years and became a cruise director. And you're a very big fish in a very little pond. You get to do comedy. I had never been doing stand-up at all. Um, I always knew that I liked doing that. I did theater in high school and college. And um, lo and behold, I realized that you didn't want to spend the rest of your life on cruise ships. Right. And in 89, I was engaged to a dancer and, you know, thinking it was life on land was going to be great. And then we both got on land and realized nobody's making our bed. Nobody's doing our, because it's all done for you on real life. And I got on land, um, and 
I didn't know what I was going to do. What does a cruise director do? Does he sell used cars? I mean, what talent, viable talent? Right, but if it didn't be my audience, if you haven't been on a cruise, I've been on a cruise, the cruise director is the life of that boat. Like, yes. that's who you look, they set the tone yep. for your whole vacation. Right, right. And every morning you hear from them. Right. And you see, you're, you're like the goodwill ambassador. Right. It really is. It's a really a great, you're kind of the face of the, the vessel. The captain is the big dog, but you're the person welcoming. You're making the announcement, welcome to the port. You have a staff of now probably 60 or 70 people that, so you're a lot of administrative, a lot of social, and I just didn't want to spend the rest of my life there. I've missed more of my friends' weddings and birthdays, and so I made the decision to get off. But right about that time, I had met a cameraman. He was on here was with his wife, who was a cameraman on a show called Mr. Belvedere, a billion years oh. ago. And he said, you should do audience warm-up. Didn't even know what the job meant. Um, I got on land, and um, I went up and watched a guy who I give full credit to to this day, a guy by the name of Michael Berger. Hmm. Michael Berger is, uh, was the kingpin, and the only reason he's not the kingpin today is because he chooses not to. He's, he's doing bigger gigs. He does a lot of corporate a spokesperson. Um, they make a lot of money. Crazy money. Crazy money. If we're making crazy money as a warm-up for sitcoms, it's f- three times. Three, yeah. He, they're, he's probably making 30 grand yeah. in appearance. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. So um, I went up. I said, hey, I'm brand new. You know, why did I bush your tail? And I, how do I get into this world? And he says, well, first of all, nobody's going to give you the time of day because why should they tell you how to get the job? But let me give you some advice. Go and watch as many warm-ups as possible. And this is back when, when sitcoms, warm-ups, there was probably any given moment 30 or 40 sitcoms on the air. It was very popular back there, multi-camera sitcoms versus single-camera comedies. Um, so I went and watched everybody after him, and everybody else I was like, this guy's terrible. This, this gal's terrible. He was phenomenal. Now, ignorance is bliss. I'm living in Orange County. No such thing as the Internet. Um, to find out what shows are taping, I'd have to drive up to L.A. to get the variety or drama log back then to see what production was. Call them up. It was just cold calling. Wow. And um, So you really had to do your homework. Literally, yeah, it was the hardest thing I've ever worked after but and, and worked try to get. But I, I didn't realize that how hard it was to really get your foot in the door. And I, I, can, I have an epiphany. Um, I remember one day calling a producer, and a producer said, no, we have our regular warm-up we use every year. And I remember hanging up, and I'm thinking, damn, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that. And I said, no, wait a minute, I do want to hear that. I want to hear that they're loyal to their guys so that I'm not always looking over my shoulder. And I finally got my first break on a show called, uh, a person recommended me for a show called Grand, and um, it lasted seven episodes. It was short-lived. Was Grand a spinoff of, it was a spinoff of Three's Company? Might have been. It was right around that time. And um, I had already gone to dozens and dozens of shows and taken detailed notes on what I thought or what I was going to do with my act. Now, by the way, I was a cruise director, and I was also following stand-up when I got on land. I had worked for Judy Carter, if you remember her. She taught... um, so I, I, I was very proficient on a microphone, handling a crowd, but as in an act, I hadn't had a lot of act, but I, but I was still barreling forward trying to be a warm-up, so I finally got my shot. They were going to give me three episodes of I Did Well for the first one. I had all my material. I got up there, introduced the cast, and I started off, and I was done with my material in seven minutes. <laughs> we still had another three hours to go, and um, <laughs> about hour number three, flop sweat, things going miserable. I can feel a tag on my pant leg down on the floor, and the producer turns to me and says, if we lose this audience, you're going with them. And I remember almost in tears, needless to say, they did not bring me back for episodes two and three. Oh. show was short-lived. And then I got a, I taught traffic school, comedy tra- traffic school. I remember comedy traffic school. Crazy. For those uh, that don't know what that is, nowadays you can do everything online. But now you'd, you have to go for eight hours. It was, a, it was 40 people who didn't want to be there. It was a great way to try to get people to know you. You're, and I, I loved it. It was just great. 
play. A it was way a, to it's play. a great way to make money if you're going to be in town and you're a stand-up. Sure, exactly. And you don't have road work. Exactly. Make a couple hundred bucks doing traffic school. I would do an eight-hour day of traffic school, and I was always the weekend MC at Ice House for years and years and years, a billion years. And I would drive from my 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 traffic school class, change while I'm driving there to go do that because you know you're you're a whore to the, anywhere there's a microphone. So. Um, and somebody was in the class at, the, at one of my traffic school classes came up and said, by the way, you're very funny. Have you ever thought about doing warm up? And I said, just so happens. <laughs> right. She goes, I'm the producer. I'm the producer's assistant for uh, Linda Bloodworth Thomason and Harry Thomason, who oh, did wow. yeah, big time designing women, designing women and hearts of fire and several other things. And she was big time at the time. Very close with the Clintons. And in fact, my my music guy was Roger Clinton in a band on the show. When oh, he was wow. Sober. And um, I remember. Coming in and doing my first one. Now, my last chance, I had died a miserable death, but I did a couple little small talk shows and things, and it went great. And they came up and they said, because they had been trying several guys because they had gotten rid of the guy they didn't like because um, he had was rude to somebody in the front row. Because warm-up is different from stand-up. You can get up there. You can give your political point. You can be. But warm-up, you it's need different. to be liked. Yeah. You need to be. They need to be. Your followers, they want to, it's they, important. They need to be BFFs by the time. Like, 100%. They Perfect want to, description. You, they, have to, they have to know that you're going to take care of them. Yep. Yeah. And they feel secure that they can do all the great stuff. So um, they come up and they halfway through the show and they said, producers love you. We want you all for our whole season. Now, I my girlfriend at the time was up with me and I was like, this is magic. Oh, my gosh. And the g- woman that was in my class comes up to me and says, how you feeling? I said, great. She goes, I'm going to make your night even better. I said, I don't know how you can do that. And they said, they want you for their other show, Hearts of Fire with Marky Post uh, and, and John Ritter. God rest his wow. soul. And I was like, I went from zero to two and continue to do it. And... And, and, and over the years have built up enough of a following of line producers that have me on their Rolodex. What did I just date myself with Rolodex? That's okay. Yeah. And then, um, so now it, it literally became a regular thing. And most sitcoms tape on Tuesdays or Fridays. Fridays are the most popular just by the nature of the work week. Monday through Friday, shoot the show. Weekend off, start back over. Tuesday, mostly people are why, why that day? Because there's only so many talented camera teams, sound teams, makeup, hair. This way... A sound team can work a Monday, Tuesday show and a Thursday, Friday. The rare occasion that there's a show taped on Wednesdays or Thursdays. I've been real fortunate because I've been I've had a couple inside straights where I've been able to have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, which is a great work week. Um, and I've been and there's really and let me back up by saying there's two types of warmups out there. Um, why Bridget is not doing sitcoms? I don't get it. We were talking earlier about yeah, Bridget, Bridget McManus, who's been on the show before. Who is phenomenal. She's I, phenomenal. Uh, Sunrise and the Sets on her with me. And um, she, um, amazing talent. Um, she came from Queen Latifah, where she was actually became a character on the show. Um, there's two types of warm-ups. There's warm-ups that do game shows, talk shows, and then there's warm-ups that do sitcoms. The money truly is in sitcoms. Oh, yeah. Um, average, my rate now, if I'm doing a show, unless I'm slumming it and it's a, a show that doesn't like a disney show but it's 5500 a night now people are like you come in on the night of a show you don't i mean other than reading the script and taking notes and then you're there for the duration you, and they hand you a check for 5500 yeah yeah it's crazy but it started out i remember when i first started out, it was 800 back in 1990 and the re now if you go to uh i did also at midnight with chris hardwick mm-hmm. but i don't know if you wanted rates or not if that was okay to say no it's Okay. I love I love Chris. Um, and Chris Chris was a great show, but it was an hour show, but it was only seven fifty. But it's not a long day. You're in there one hour. You're with all your fellow comics. Chris Hardwick is brilliant, um, and so I would do a lot of that because that was uh, an off season and stuff like that. But truly, really, 
It's mostly sitcoms I do. Um, it's myself, another guy by the name of Ron Pearson, comedy juggler. Why do I know? I know. I feel Ron's like I know Ron. has been around Ron. a billion years as yeah, well. Yeah, I think I've seen him do stand-up before. And um, he's just incredible. And then a guy by the name of Mark Sweet. And Mark does a lot of the Chuck Lorre shows. And Chuck Lorre is... When, when multi-cameras were circling the drain a few years ago, when nobody was putting out... Because it kept... Chuck Lorre was the only one that had yeah, shows on yeah, there. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, two and a half men, three and a half um, men, um, the uh, Mike and Molly, Mom, right. and he's brilliant. So Chuck and the Chuck, weed show that's on Netflix. Yes, yeah, exactly. So and uh, so so Mark does most of his. So between Mark, myself, and Ron, I would say we take probably ninety percent of the sitcoms out there. Um, there's a few other guys doing it now. Uh, another buddy of mine, Gary Cannon, um, who's been a comic, who's now. Finally got his foot in the door with the sitcom world. But I can tell you, in my 28 years of doing sitcom warm-up, I can name on one hand how many new cats have started doing sitcom warm-up. It just doesn't happen. Bill Sindelar is doing the new Roseanne. I know Bill Sindelar. Um, and Bill... Bill he is, did a show that I produced. It was... Uh, the I worked on a show called The Moment of Truth. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Fox. So he was our warm-up for that. But he's... He, I feel like Bill's mostly been used for those live... Sure. Right. He does a lot of the um, Dancing with the Stars, which I've done. And I don't... I like sitcoms. It's better money, and you're also treated better. When you're doing warm-up on a game show, talk show, literally they're just asking you to be another one of the uh, assistant directors and clapping and applauding. You don't get a lot of time to do comedy, but I don't mind doing it. I'll go places. I do both sides oh, of the totally, coin. Oh, yeah. Bill, I don't think is long for the warm-up world because I think Bill is a front-of-the-camera personality. He's this gorgeous guy. <laughs> Hello, Bill, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> he's very good-looking. Yeah, he's very good-looking. He's really good with an audience. And I know he's had a few shots at being on camera in mm -hmm. front, and it's just a matter of time before somebody grabs him for it. So so in the sitcom world, there's, like I said, just a small handful of guys. There was a lot more before, but um, because sitcoms have kind of been circling. In fact... I was up to this last year. I got to be honest with you. We we're all kind of going, wow. There's, I mean, each year they do less sitcom multi-camera pilots, and they do. Every network wants to have that sweet spot with a with a successful single camera, Modern Family, things like that. Well, Will and Grace came out. You know that they brought it back, and lo and behold, I did all of Will and Grace. I did all the original eight seasons oh, myself wow. and my DJ, and so we all knew when we got that phone call going because we had heard weird buzz of it. The line producer, great guy by the name of Tim Kaiser. Did all of that. He also did Seinfeld. He's had a great run. Um, he was on on Two Broke Girls. Brought me in with that. Anytime he gets a show, he generally brings me in. And he said, hey, by the way, I think Will and Grace is going to happen. And we're like, really? And we were talking earlier when it was going to go. And then we didn't realize how popular it was going to be. They gave us 13 episodes. And then even before we started taping, they bumped it to 16. And then even before we aired, they gave us a second season. That's so wonderful. It is. And I have to tell you, it is such a wonderful feeling. And I, I tell this to my audiences and I say, you know, television is comfort food on many levels. People watch documentaries. People watch news. People watch for whatever the, ca the case, either, either keep you informed or happy. And I, I always was very proud to say that I believe the Will and Grace did much more than just be comfort food. They, they, they allowed people that were afraid. I can't tell you how many, how many tearful people have stood up in a Will and Grace audience and said, I came out because of this, or I was able to talk to my parents on an equal level about this. And I'm not trying to make this a bigger thing than it is, but I, I take great pride in being part of a show that really has brought some level heads to people that, that they, they look at uh, these relationships and go, you know what? 
this is they're just the same way. They're putting they're the their pants everyone on else. everybody yeah. else. And I, I and and it's and it's not just Will and Grace. Ellen did it. I, I remember when her sitcom was out. Yeah. And she had this great line where she was looking at a new house and she stepped out of the closet and she kind of went, "That's not so bad." And it was before she'd come <laughs> out of the closet. Right. And I I I. I so I, I'm very happy to be part of that. And I had a great run with them the same time I did King of Queens. And it's it's nice to see. My point being is now the big buzz is this season, multi-camera sitcoms are back. Variety did an article. Hollywood Reporter yesterday talked about, I think, I think last year there was seven multi-camera pilots versus 33 total comedies. Oh, wow. Very small percentage. Wow. This year there's 21, right now, 21 comedy pilots being produced and 15 of those are multi-camera. Part of it is smaller viewership. Multi-cameras are much less expensive to make than a single camera or a, a drama. It takes a lot less time as well. Sure, absolutely. We do one show a week where you're doing a, a single a single camera. It takes 10 days on location, and it's three times the cost. So there is there is a lot to be said about that. And multi-cam episodes can can rely on individual episodes. You don't have to follow a storyline. You can turn in and watch an old King of Queens and still laugh and get everything. You can't do that with single camera. There's more of an ongoing storyline. So right now the networks are going, we need to go back to that. But it just they just needed somebody to step up and do it. And that's what Will and Grace brought back. Everybody was like, we have giant viewership, number one rated uh, comedy for NBC, just like that. Yeah, but w- let me just speak to this as well. Those people on that show are adults, and they're trained actors, and they're really good at what they do. There's so many bad acting. Or, you know, when they... When you do a comedy, you want to get the funniest people. The funniest people aren't going to be 22 years old. Yep. They're going to be 40. Sure. And that's what I really love about Will and Grace coming back is, like, they didn't lose it. They're even better. Let me tell you, that first episode back, <clears throat> beside it being uh, just a love fest of people, I mean, literally when I stepped out and said, welcome to Will and Grace, it was was definitely. Oh, I bet everybody must have lost their mind. Yeah. It, and it was it really, I mean, it's, it's, I've had, it's funny. I've had friends reach out to me. Hey, Roger, I haven't seen you in a long time. I'd love to come up see a show. What shows you're doing? And I, what I'll intentionally list the shows I'm doing, but not that. And then they'll write back. But aren't you doing Will and Grace? I'm like, you son of a bitch! All you're trying to do is get to come see Will and Grace, which is understandably so. Yeah. They, um, Jimmy I mean, Burrows. Is it, is it hard to get in? Oh, ter- tickets. Uh, just as I would say, the only other ticket tougher is Ellen. Ah, Ellen is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Will and Grace is credible tickets. We've. Because everybody wants to come back and see it. And yeah. it's a fun show. Jimmy Burroughs, who is the kingpin of uh, uh, multi-camera comedies, he's back. Max and Dave. We ne- it looks like we ne- looks like we stopped last week. We- they came back. Everything was great. And I always tell my audiences to this, too. I said, a successful show, whether it's drama, comedy, is based on synergy it, the, the, between the writers and the cast. The writers need to know that the words they're putting on the paper are going to be delivered in the way of the vein that they picture them. And cast need to know that these words here on the paper or what their character would say. And that, that is so dialed in. We did an episode recently where Jack was trying to look younger and, and, and Megan, uh, Karen, suggested he wear these magnets to kind of pull his... <laughs> right. And I remember reading this thinking, he's going to crush it because Sean Hayes is the most he's funny hysterical. physical comic that I've ever seen. He crushed it. We did... He did so many different takes. I was the audience was like, you could have an entire episode just on the outtakes of, of what Sean did. <laughs> it, it's amazing, and and everything, every one of them. Our Christmas episode, Grace and her her character, her and her accent was amazing. So it is an extraordinary show. Now, now not every show is fun and love fest. You take uh, you take a new show. It's brand new. Let's say it gets picked up to go to um, a series. You've got 
a lot of paid audiences. Now, that's that's not something most people talk about or most people even realize. Right. But if you watch every game show in the world and you were to watch every game show in the world back to back and you looked at the studio audience, you would see those same faces. Because there is a group of people that work for different audience companies that do nothing that go from paid audience to paid audience to paid audience. So let's talk about America's Funniest Home Videos. A lot of those audience are paid, aren't they? Aren't they, they don't they use on-camera audiences? They use, there's, there's the, ma- the major company used to be a company called, and still is, uh, called tvtickets.com, but it's called Audiences Unlimited. Oh, uh, yes. For years, they were the only game in town if you wanted to get tickets for a sitcom. And they really didn't do a lot of other things. They didn't need to. There were so many people coming to town, they couldn't hand out tickets fast enough. Wow. Then there was a company, uh, Chris is the owner of On Camera Audiences, and he, very tight audience company. And I remember every time I would see Chris, he would show up for a new show, and I said, why aren't you doing sitcoms? And he's like, I'm too busy with other things. Well, now they're doing sitcoms. And there's another company called One Iota, who um, used to always do non-sitcoms. Now they're doing sitcoms. I have two shows for Netflix, one called Alexa and Katie, Interesting show, um, about two 14-year-old girls, but one has cancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and how do you spin that into a comedy? How do you go from a dance contest with the audience back into chemo? But I have to tell you, they do it well. I think, wow. uh, I think the concept came from the great success of The Fault in Our Stars. I never saw the movie, but I love the book. And a lot of the, the teen angst and, you know, and, and future life. And, and, and I have another one called Prince of Peoria that we start up in April, too. So uh, everybody's getting in the game. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see how all, all these things come together and another thing too used to always be everybody starts up in august they shoot around the uh do 22 episodes we finish up in march we do pilots we have a couple months off now it's pretty much year round you wow. know net when netflix is taping in april through the summer so i'm i'm keeping busy all through that how do you book a vacation when do you get a break uh you know what by the way um <laughs> i never turn down i think i've missed one taping in all my 28 years um i've been i've gone in with a Wrenched back, wearing a back brace. I've uh, with a, uh, a, a torn uh, meniscus, uh, a sprained foot. Because you can't go, hey, I, I can't be there tonight. A, you don't want to somebody bring somebody else in, and B, you you don't want to miss out on that kind of money because they're not going to go. We're going to still pay you. It's not like there's oh right, exactly. Yeah. It's so, freelance. Yeah, exactly. Basically. You really are. You're only as good as your last show. And but you're covered. This is, most of these warm up gigs are covered by SAG AFTRA, correct? Um, yeah, some. It used some. to be there's some where, and that's where the money is. And by the way, it, it's if I say SAG AFTRA, it's not covered completely by SAG AFTRA. Generally, what they do is they pay you uh, SAG AFTRA minimum. And then they pay you with an invoice for the rest of it. So, oh, yeah. So, okay. um, some shows are different. Some don't even go through SAG. So, for many years, I was just invoicing and, and getting it that way. But I also want to get my SAG after credits in, so Same I can pension. Yeah, pension and your health and such. Yeah. So, so it's it's wonderful money. It's just very difficult to get the foot in the door. And then I'll tell you, there are pressure. Like I started to tell you earlier, this was a tough week for me. Um, Ron, who is also does corporate work, Ron Pearson. He, um, I did the pilot of Superior Donuts, and then they moved to another date on Tuesdays, and I couldn't do them, Two Broke Girls. And Ron is incredibly popular. He's an amazing cat to watch. He started doing Superior Donuts, but he picked up a corporate gig. So, he, so they called and said, hey, can you fill in for Ron? And I was nervous because I hadn't been, I hadn't done Superior Donuts for a long time. And my wife is always was like, why are you nervous? You've done this for 28 years. And I said, I still get that way. So I got through Superior Donuts, long night, seven hours. Wow. And then um, I did a, another show, Man with a Plan, with Joy, uh, Joy, uh, Joy Lawrence. Matt LeBlanc. Sorry, Joy Lawrence. Sorry, Joy. Um, Matt LeBlanc. And we finished in two hours and 40 minutes. That's, that's a gift. 
Most wow. show, normal sitcom used to be average for three hours. Then it kind of pushed to four and then five. Now they're averaging five to six hours. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. Why and is it, it taking so much longer now than it did in the past? Well, you know what? That's a good question. I'm not quite sure why it's taking longer. Um, more takes. I mean, way back when it used to be we would do an afternoon show and an evening show. And the afternoon show was, uh, show was just called like a single camera run through and it was with an audience. They still do that, but now they do it without an audience, maybe save some money. They bring the audience in at six o'clock. Um, and then we shoot the show. And we shoot in chronological order. And the reason we do that is so the audience can follow along. Um, but now it's just a lot more takes. So you have to kind of pace yourself. I am um, uh, going back to Ron and Mark. Ron is an amazing comedy juggler. He's talented at that. Mark does comedy magician, comedy hypnotist. I'm just a comic. <laughs> I, I don't have any of those viable you have talents. no other little tricks yeah, in no your pocket. Yeah, no tricks. But uh. I do. But I am quite lovable. I'll tell you that. I, I'm I, I'm. I always treat my audiences the way that I would want to be treated. I want them to feel in a safe environment. I want them to know that they're wanted. And we have a lot of these groups that are excited. Oh, my God, it's Roger. Oh, we don't have to worry about being insulted or made fun of. Right. Because you, you don't want to do that. You're not. No, I, no. You want to make friends. Yeah, you want to be friends. So I and I do a kind of a competition between the sides. So and the key is we know there's a finite amount of time. This audience is going to start to die off. So as as the audience is starting to wane, that's when my my energy is building up. So by the end of the into the five hours they're all standing up singing living on a prayer you know and they're so I, I have a lot of little tricks up my sleeve and I work with a incredibly talented DJ a guy by the name of Dave Miles Miles Sound I was just going to ask you about the DJ Dave and I worked together for 18 years wow yeah so they, they allow you to come as a pair they pay you both it used to be when I first started in 1990 they didn't give audiences any food or water there was no music and it was just you up there doing your bit but again wow. it was only like you know two and three hours but over the years, um, I started bringing in, I used to bring in a boombox boom box yeah. and play music and clap along and sing alongs. And that, and then eventually I started bringing a DJ and I paid him out of my own pocket. Dave did. And I had tried a couple other guys over the years. Didn't work out. Didn't click. And then D Dave and I got both brought in for Will and Grace. And, and I watched this guy. And this guy was killer amazing spot on knowing and we would do a lot of little sound bites and little funny things and we just built up this whole comedy routine uh with him there and so now like this last week i had to um when i did um superior, uh, donuts? superior donuts it was a guy by the name of mike diaz and mike is the regular guy so they didn't want to bump mike because ron couldn't be there so i said no problem so dave was cool with it so i came and worked with mike gave him some of my cues and we got through it and it worked out fine but it, you really like ron has his regular guy mark mark sweet his regular guy uh kenny and then Another guy by the name of Tyler, and Tyler is my, uh, Dave, my, my DJ's son. Dave Miles has oh, two or wow. three different guys working in the, in the industry. So nowadays, shows have a regular budget for the DJ and for the warm-up. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, most people don't realize. Now, if I'm doing a game show talk show, there's no budget for a DJ. Right. you got to bring in your iPad or your iPod, and you're plugging that into the house system. And, and I have mine on a remote. Bill Sindelar does the same kind of thing. And Bill... Um, it's interesting enough. Bill's one of the other guys that's now got his foot in the door doing adult sitcoms. Gary was the other, but I, I can't. Oh, another guy by the name of Chuck Dukas. Chuck does some of the, some of the kid shows too. By the way, kid shows are nice for sitcoms, but it's a whole different approach. Right. You have two hundred audience members, a hundred excited kids, and a hundred parents who don't want to be there. Right. But they're doing their kids a favor. So you you have to kind of do your comedy on two levels for the kids 
but I'm also throwing out kids are coming around with candy, dirty martinis. So the parents, I try to keep the parents engaged as well because you got to make sure all of them are happy. You know, right? That's got to be the. I would think that would be the most challenging because you have to watch your language, but you also want to be a little bit edgy for the parents, but you don't want to offend the kids, but you don't want the kids to turn on you. Like to me, that would be such a balancing act. Sure, and it's interesting because there is, like I said, there's a small handful of warm-ups out there. Some have different approaches. Um, not naming names, but there are guys that are pretty rough with the audiences, and the audience company will get a letter going, hey, this guy did dot, 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 and, and was it embarrassed my wife. I oh, am, no. Yeah, yeah. And again, it goes back to, you know, if you got some schmuck in a comedy club, you know, as every comic knows, you, you don't lash out at that idiot. You let him hang himself to the crowds on your side, and then you, you politely destroy them, which is what we, we are good at. You can't do that in warm-up, you have to try to be successful because you can you can tear that person apart, but then the rest of the crowd's like, oh, he was being a, a dick, but uh, I don't want to see the warm-up be a dick back. So you right. have to try to be... So many times I've come up off microphone and said, dude, what's going on? What's happening here? Let's become That's friends. That's not what I would do. I would just be like, I can't... I'm yeah. not going to argue publicly with you about this shit because... It's just too much. It's yeah. too hurtful, and it, you don't want to ruin the vibe in the room. Right, you know? and it is tough. And, and I, I, I've realized, like, for instance, we'll get groups. We'll get a group of uh, basketball players, young guys, full of testosterone, or Camp Pendleton. And, oh, and so wow. You, so you've got 40 Marines there that have never been to a show. They're there as a fundraiser. And they're super excited, yeah. too. Yeah, um, but a lot of them are maybe sometimes they drank or something. Right. So what I do is I find out one of the key players of the Marine Corps. I bring him up, and I make him my goddamn star. Oh, And so when he sets genius. back down... Every one of the guys then, as a collective unit, now are on my side because you have to do that. you you got a, you got a house full of 240 people. If you've got a big group of 40 or 50, it makes a big deal. It makes a big, big deal, and that's important. How many years from when you started in 90 when you got your first gig working for the Bloodworth Thomasons? Yep. How long from then until now, how many years did it take for you to really feel confident that you were like, I'm the guy, I, I now I understand how to work every sitcom, not just my sitcom. Excellent question. Um, I, I can tell you, um, after that first great success in 90, I think I did, it was August something in 1990 when I first got those two shows. And then it was the last season of Designing Women. Then I did another season of um, Hearts of Fire. And then I had nothing. Like I suddenly a year and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? I thought people were liking me, and then I got a call about a show called The Mommies. Two oh, I remember that show. Them. And um, I got a call for it, and she called, asked me about my availability. I'm like, oh yeah, let me check. I'm I'm open, and um, didn't call me back for like four months, and I completely forgot about it. And she called me back and said, hey, by the way, just want to make sure you're still good to go. And I'm like, good to go. I, I you never kind of locked me in, but yeah, I'm good to go. And that got me going again, and more people saw me, and I and I just I, I would say probably by. 95, probably about four or five years into it where I felt pretty comfortable, where I knew that I was going to have shows. And even now, um, and then when I locked in with Jimmy, Jimmy Burroughs is extraordinary, just as like the amazing Pam Fryman. Pam Fryman has four pilots. She's, I, I would say she's the female Jimmy and Jimmy's the male Pam Fryman. Pam Fryman is amazing. Um, what happens is every director, not that they have pull, but Jimmy has enough pull that says, you hire me, you bring my entire team. And that includes me. So I, I do a boatload of Jimmy's pilots. So you do uh, you do uh, One Day at a Time. Um, Didn't Jimmy Burroughs direct the pilot for um, One Day at a Time? For way Netflix? back when? No, for, for Netflix, the reboot. The reboot, no. I, I don't know if Jimmy did it or not, too. Um, I want to say, I, I know that yeah, I know there was a reboot. I thought he was going to, I guess not. No, I didn't ring about No, by the way, he could have, and I'm finding out now from here. I thought he was directing it, but maybe he didn't. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was um, Carl Reiner. Um, doing the directing. 
Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's Maybe interesting. Not. I have to check it know. out. I'll ask the guys when I see them. But um, yeah, by the way, that's that's the crazy thing. Everybody's coming back. Um, Murphy Brown, straight to series 13 episode order. It's already been picked up. Hello, uh, Roseanne. Uh, mad about you. Um, but it's, don't you Reba? think? I mean, I, I think it's, I don't know. I would love to see. Uh, it was great to see Will and Grace come back. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. But all these other shows, it's like. Can you not? There's so many original four camera shows, Drives but me nobody crazy. wants to take a, a risk on something new. I don't want to watch the new Bur- Murphy Brown. I'm definitely not watching the new Roseanne. Not gonna watch. I, the only one I watch is Will and Grace, and that's probably the only one I will watch. I'll tell you this, um, and Will and, Will and Grace is is a phenomenon. It is is so unique. It is so well crafted, and I'm telling. There's not even. I have not yet seen a, a bad episode. And I, I can tell you one of my favorite episodes was just this season, too, when, when and sorry to segue back to that, but uh, Will is dating a younger guy, and I, 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 I forgot the actor's name. He's a well-known Broadway actor. Yes, and he's right. Young, he, was, he was in Hamilton. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And he's, so he's, he's dating Will, and, 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 and Sean's character, Jack, is giving me a hard time because he's much younger. And, um, and he was talking about how, you know, how it was difficult when he was younger, and he came out, and, and, and Will says to him, you know, was it tough for you? And he was, oh, my gosh, it was so tough. Both my parents wanted to throw me a coming out party on the same weekend. And Will's like, no, I mean the difficulty. He said, what difficulties? Nobody has difficulties. And Will, and the opposite, the, the episode was about, no, you don't understand. Different generation Different generation. Out. It's a wonderful thing that we have moved so far forward, but do not forget about the past of what it's taken us to get where we are. And it was such a poignant wonderful episode. I just loved it. It was just one of those. And by the way, how many how many superstars have we had on? I got to see Cher as close as you, uh, Elton John. Oh, one wow. Of my, one of my favorite actors, my favorite story, Matt Damon, who asked me for a coffee cup back by the craft services. And I when I went to toss it to him, I didn't realize it was him. And I saw him. And I kind of went into Jerry Lewis, hey, lady. And I threw it up <laughs> and it fell on the ground. And um, he picked it up and threw it in the trash. I went to do the sh- yeah, I went away. He got his coffee and left. And I went back and got that cup out and came up to the audience and said, this cup was, was touched. touched by Matt Damon. <laughs> and while I was talking about it, Matt walks up and says, give me the cup. And he signed the cup and gave it to me. And then I always tell the audience, I said, in that cup, I sold on Craigslist for $400. I didn't. <laughs> but it was, it was, a, it was a, a great moment. I love those kind of things, you know. Because yeah, I don't get starstruck by many, but there's definitely been some that we've had on Will and Grace, too. So. Well, that's what's so nice is, like, their guard is down with you because they're meeting you on set. Sure. So you get to have a little bit more of an intimate, you know, situation that may come up versus seeing them at Chateau Marmont, you know. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, this is very cool. And this, is, this caught me off guard here about episode number, I think it was just before Christmas. Um, Eric McCrone always takes the mic and always gives me a, a shout on thanks. Aww. And then he'd already done it earlier in the night. It was wonderful. And then later on, he said, hey, I need the mic. And usually he'll want to catch up on something on the floor. And he goes, by the way, uh, Roger, we call him our fifth Beatle. He's been with us the entire time. Um, Roger, we have something for you. And I thought, I don't know what it was. And he hands me a box. I'm like, oh, my gosh, thanks, guys. And I was all embarrassed because I don't have the microphone in my hand. So I don't know what to say, right? I get back home and I open it for Christmas. And it was this incredibly expensive wristwatch. Wow! By, by the cast, by the four cast members, the I I I was I was so taken back. I was in tears. It was such, and it was so out of left field. It was just a a wonderful thank you, you know. Wow! And that's cool. And that, and that, that show takes great care of everybody. Max and Dave is amazing. But going back to the, the thing we were talking about with a lot of these shows coming back right now, it's it's a it's the honeymoon period for reboots. Right now, everybody's going. We want to be like Will and Grace. We want that reboot to be there. Roseanne hasn't aired. The only other other show that did it before us was Fuller House. 
you know, everybody was thinking, is Full House really going to be popular? Fuller House is through the roof. They just got picked up for their fourth season. I know, season. it's crazy. And I do like the, I like One Day at a Time, the Cuban version. Sure. Because I'm Cuban-American, so I relate to it, and I didn't know what to expect. That's right. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so that's right. That that's three right now, and yeah. then Roseanne four, and and. But and I feel like, but I feel like one day at a time they really made it different. Yes. Will and Grace, it's the same. Same, but it's right? Fucking fantastic. Right. They took a complete different right. uh, nationality and changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, um, there will be a reboot that comes out there that's gonna that's gonna suck. Yeah, and it's gonna die on the vine. We just haven't had that yet. Who's doing warm up for Roseanne show? Do you know? Uh, yeah, Bill Sandalari. Oh, in Bill fact, is? In fact, this is where I'm quite proud because Bill... Yikes. Bill is... Um, that was his... Bill has been one of the... There used to be a guy named Corey Alameda that... that Corey did all of the... He's kind of out of the business because he is also a very popular DJ, like DJ pre- playing for Prince of Dubai. And oh, you're fucking kidding me. Big, What's his giant, name? giant Corey Alameda. And he did a lot of more, but was never a stand-up. Um, and he was good. He was actually a roommate with Bill for years. And, now, and he has a giant nine-piece band. He plays Las wow. Vegas. Look him up, Corey Live. Um, amazing talent guy bill had always been the kingpin for non-sitcoms but he would do some disney shows disney shows one of the reasons a lot of sitcom um warm-ups don't want to do them is because half the time they cancel their studio their studio audience shows because they run out of time with their kids right so right, never, they can only have so many hours on right, set. right exactly so bill did a few of those and then finally got his first shot doing uh roseanne and i'm so proud of him because like i said no, every line producer doesn't it's the Cash 22. Line producer doesn't want to try you out um, if they if you've never done a multi-camera adult sitcom. But in turn, how do you get a multi-camera adult sitcom if, if nobody gives it's you a like shot? It's like that with every yeah. aspect yep. of showbiz. Absolutely. It's like you're a segment producer. Why should I hire you as a field producer? Sure. Well, I got to do it. As, you know, if you only work in unscripted, why should I buy your scripted project? Right. Hi. Yeah, it's crazy. And it would happen. And there's also the concept of when a, a reboot comes out. Trust me, when Fuller House had its first good numbers, everybody was going, hey, what? what? Maybe, what do you think? What do you think about? Maybe I, this I, is a thing. By the way, there's a lot of single camera comedies they're bringing back. Greatest American Hero, Cagney and Lacey. Cagney and Lacey's not a comedy. No, no, I'm saying not even. Oh, I thought you said single camera comedies. Well, single like, camera what? and dramas, too. Yeah, dramas, yeah. So crazy. Which, which, I, which I can't stand. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Well, I, to be honest with you, I don't watch multi cameras. I, frankly, how funny this is, but I don't like listening to a soundtrack of com- of laughter while I'm watching a comedy. Yeah, I think it depends on the show. Like, I like watching Will and Grace. Sure, it works um, that way. But I don't like. I, I don't. I like watching. I like watching One Day at a Time. Yep. Um, those are the only multi cams I watch. And it's interesting too because I always tell people. Um, Multicam sitcoms are the purest form of theater in Hollywood other they than really theater. They really are. No, yeah. you're right. Totally. It's a, it's a play. Fourth wall. It is a play that you have to kind of stop down and play and, 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 re- and keep everybody moving along with that. And, you know, I, I, we've, ha- we've had some Two Bro Girls, Michael Patrick King, another brilliant producer, but his show before that was Sex and the City. Sex and the City. And, and we shot Two Bro Girls many times like it was a single camera because we would have many eight-hour nights. Now, wow. there's a challenge. Trying to keep an audience happy and upbeat for eight hours. That's torture. Yeah, it, it became a long night. I um, mean, you had to really kind of pace your energy and what your input that we, we do with the audience. I'll tell you what, you earn your five grand when you're doing yeah, an eight crazy. hour. I yeah. mean, that's I, I, that actually, I would want to be paid more. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I remember each year we try to push a little bit. And um, I'm, I'm good friends with Ron. I don't talk to Mark much. Mark's got his own kind of world. So, but we're always the same way. Are we pushing more? You know, are we doing this? So if you, th- you figure if you get 
Suddenly you're doing three multi-camera sitcoms a week. That's 15 grand a week. That's lottery winning money. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy for me. Yeah. I still to this day, like, I cannot believe, but it's supply and demand. There's only so many guys out there that can do it. Th- this is true, but I also I also think it's wor- you're worth the money. I really do. I sure. think the warm it, it absolutely it'll make or break your show, especially for a sitcom. For sitcoms, especially for a yeah. sitcom, yeah, you gotta have that. You've got to have a strong warm up. And I've done a lot of non sitcom weird one off strange things. We were talking about America's Funniest Videos. America's will bring. I did that for 15 years. All the, the entire length of Tom Bergeron. We would do two shows a day, wow. and we would have some paid crowds. But there was a, still a lot of people that wanted to come see it. Um, and it was a fun show because I never, I never did it with, um, Fuller House, uh, Bob Saget, Bob Saget, um, Bob, when he left and they kind of rebooted it back with Bergeron, I did the whole run. Um, but just kind of when he went away, was, was getting conflicts with the scheduling and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. So, but that was, that was a fun show. That, that was a lot like of fun. That seems like it would be a fun show. Yeah. Another different approach altogether too, you know? A lot of that was running around trying to stay out of the camera, but keeping the audience applauding too. So, right. So it's a, it's a it's an exciting world. It's a lot See, of fun. I would kind of like if I were doing a lot of sitcoms where I had to do so much heavy lifting, I would actually like to have a break from that and go. I'm gonna go do Dancing with the Stars where I just tell people to clap. Yeah. Like that would actually be like, whoo! I can breathe. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of that, when you do a live show, there's pros and cons. Pros are you. You, you have a finite out time. You know we're starting at 6 o'clock. You're and out you're at 7. It, yeah. You're done. My f- but the, the rough part is it's live. So you cannot make a mistake. Like I do a joke about I on Dancing with the Stars, I, made a, I tripped over a line and fell in front of the camera. I got fired, but I got my SAG card out of the deal. And the, the point That's is I did, I did actually trip and fall part of the camera. And they're like, get him out of the camera shop. Or they're trying to get you to applaud. You get the audience to applaud. Where's the warm-up? And I'm like, well, I can't do anything because we're filming and I'm behind the cameras. I remember when um, Kardashians were on and Rob Kardashian was dancing. yes. And Kim Kardashian, all the stars. You know, it was always great to have the stars on the floor. And they cut to Kim Kardashian. And she might have been blogging right there, but she was not even watching Rob dance and she was texting. So so the producer says, because I have to wear a headset on a lot of those live shows, get over her and tell her to get off her phone. And I'm thinking... Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk up during the break and go, excuse me, bitch, can you uh, get off your phone to Kim Kardashian? Needless to say, I didn't even bother her. So right. it's, it's, it's sometimes, those are really, live shows are tough because there's just a lot of wheels that are moving and you have to try to stay out of the way and it's very difficult. Um, and they want that crowd on fire for live shows. Right. You know, it's like, you know, any kind of thing like that. Um, I've done uh, So You Can Think and You Dance. But I generally I generally like my sitcoms. I, I'm, I'm now into a groove where I, I don't mind. If it's going to be a seven-hour night, I just buckle down and pace the audience. And that's really what I'm pacing. I On show days, I don't do much. I take a nap before the show. I have a cup of coffee at home. My DJ always goes and has crew dinner. I never eat before the show. I have a cup of I coffee up there with me. I wouldn't have dinner because then I would need a nap. Right, exactly. I'm the same way. I would, I would feel that, 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 that low. So I, in, my, in my bag of goodies, I always have an energy drink. I also have a five-hour you know, shot. But I generally don't need them unless it's go- I realize it's going to go eight or nine hours. So wow. It's crazy. So what advice would you have to someone who wants to be a, a warm-up? Um, I will tell you this. Um, I haven't done a lot of probably 
good things for mankind in my life. Uh, my wife and I are involved with a bulldog rescue group. We have English bulldogs called SoCal Bulldog Rescue. Oh, I just adopted a dog from the pound. Yay. But he's not a bulldog. We're, we're high-fiving. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> to me, there are so many dogs out there that need... So each, many, and they're yeah. adorable. There are so many homeless dogs. Yes. And mine's a senior. Yeah, yeah. even better. Look at you double, God bless you. Yeah. And uh, by the way, it's interesting because you know that in L.A. County, the, the reduction of euthanized animals has gone down. Yeah. Yeah, thank goodness. But, um, but I think it's because of people like you, people who have rescues. Yeah. And, that I, go in and pull. Yeah, I mean, we, I love doing it. We have a hundred different dogs in, in the system. They're based kind of around Orange County. And I'm always, I put on a comedy uh, show um, every year. We do a fundraiser and I get comics to come in and donate their time, which is always great. Um, we do all sorts and I'm always the voice for them when we do doing auctions and such. But I don't know what I was going to say. We were, so I, I do that. And then um, one of the things I've done is that Michael Berger, way back when, earlier in this interview, when I said, he was the one said, you know, this is what you need to do. This is the advice. I've always done that, and I've always paid it forward. So if I get an email from somebody who says, hey, I'm, I'm a comic, and I'd love to know more about warm-up, um, can we, would it be out of the possi- uh, range of possibly sitting down over a cup of coffee, and you tell me about it? And I'm like, absolutely. I have done it probably 50 times with people that were just looking into it. They're not even comics, because I always tell them, first of all, let me tell you now, it's going to be one of the toughest jobs to get your foot in the door on, because nobody wants to hire somebody they don't know. But perseverance. No, don't choose it as your career. Choose it as your passion. If you have passion, just keep plugging away. Gary did. Gary Cannon got his foot in the door. A lot of these guys. Chuck Dukas. I sat down with Chuck Dukas at a Starbucks six or seven years ago, and he was like, I really want to be a warm-up. you got to try. He finally got a shot on one show to fill in on somebody. And a lot of us throw jobs to each other when we're busy. And Chuck now is a regular working warm-up. I mean, he's, a, he's the poster child of working hard at it and, and, and seeing it you know, come to fruition. And I, So I've always been really great about setting down. Even when you reached out to me, I'm like, yeah. Why not? I always like to meet new people. Which is I like so Starbucks. nice of you. Oh, gosh, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a great thing that you're doing this anyway, you know, getting out there. People are always fascinated by this kind of stuff. Oh, totally. They love behind-the-scenes stories. Yeah. They, they're learning how things work. Yeah, and absolutely. every different type of person, you know. Yeah. And it, 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 it is an interesting world. I mean, when you get I, – uh, I get the script sent to me ahead of time. <clears throat> I read it. I take notes, things I want to recap. I get an idea how long the costume uh, you know, breaks are going to be. Then I get there an hour and a half before the show. I go up to uh, my AD, assistant director, and said, okay, where, um, where are we doing the intros from? And if it's a regular show, it's, it's down, you know, it's a well-greased wheel. Right. But if it's a new show, where do you want the intros from? Um, is there a hot roll going from one scene to the next? How many playbacks? And I take a lot of more notes. So when we get ready, I know how much time I'm going to do up front. Um, I have a regular opening bit I do. And then from that point on, we're right into the show. We come off bell, and coming off bell or buzzer means we're out of the scene. We can play music, and, and I'm, I keep them high energy, clapping and jumping right in there. But there's times, too, that you have to kind of keep it lower because then maybe they're talking on the floor. Yeah. So it's never, it's never um, just performing to the crowd. You have to kind of be performing to the crowd, but looking over your shoulder, if possible, to see if the producers or the AD is about, hey, we're about to come back on bell. You know? So you have, to, you have to be, you don't want to be doing a whole bit and then, Right when the bell goes in the middle of your bit and the crowd's going, oh, finish the joke. That's a kiss of death. Right. You want to make sure, like, okay, remember, recap, recap, recap. Producers want to know that you're up there keeping them entertained for the show. I'm, I'm not the dog. I'm the, I'm the tail. I'm, I'm the dog. I'm just the tail wagon. So the, the show is always the, the number one priority, you know, and that's, that's key. So I, I always, always t- yeah, uh, you know, yakking with people about it. And I always tell them, understand it's never going to be a quick fix. I, um... I got my name is Jesse. He's a newer comic. Um, I married him and his wife years ago, and he reached out to me last year and said, hey, I want to get into warm-up. I said, that's great, man. Um, can you sit down and have a cup of coffee? Absolutely. We meet for coffee, and he's like, you know, my job, I'm, I'm, I need to raise some more funds. I'm hoping I can get some more, but I said, wait, stop right now. 
First of all, you may not have a warm-up gig for the next two years. Don't be counting on next month's rent being paid from this. And there's a lot of people that, that are, that are, that are. my buddy Gary and I always commiserate. They'll get a call from a comic going, man, I didn't get any bookings. I'm not on the road at all. Can you throw me a warm-up gig? And I'm like, hey, I'm not the guy to throw the gig. And B, they're not going to hire you. Because you have to be in the game. Yeah. yeah. It's just like anything. It's like I would love to do more voiceover. I've done a few things over the years. But that's, a, that's, again, a nice enclosed market. You said you did segment producing. If I was like, I want to do that, how do I do that? You're like, get to the back of the line and learn right. and follow. And it, it's nothing is going to be quick and nothing is going to be easy. But nothing is in life. I mean, the greater, the greater good is how hard you work at it, you know? Yeah. So I'm so grateful that you took the time to come all the way over here yeah 2.6 miles oh really okay yeah. good we could bring up orange county and i'm like i hope to god he still doesn't live in orange county yeah i'm driving up here with my entourage <laughs> no it's funny why i finally I, for years i was living in laguna hills and fiance at the time now wife said let's at least look to la now as you know there's this love hate for orange county in la but and laguna hills is gorgeous gorgeous absolutely but it you know it's i had to give it's myself a, a three-hour window yeah. and um so we found a place right above cbs radford and literally on the south side of the hill, I'm the guy. You never, you never on the side of the hill, but every Christmas I put a 30 foot lighted, light, lighted tree on our roof of poles and lights, and it's all to a computer program because it's right oh, overlooks cool. the whole valley. Yeah, so I always do that, and I do that because it overlooks CBS Radford. It's kind of like a little shout out for them. So I, I love where I'm at. I, I work, I work Sunset Bronson where I do my Netflix shows, Universal for Will and Grace. Rad, I was at Radford twice this week, so. It's all close. I don't have to drive any freeways if I don't have to. So. No, no. It's you're right in the middle of where everything happens. Yeah, it's nice for that. You're too. close to yeah. Warner Brothers. Yeah. The only tough one is Fox or Sony. You know, over there. Yeah, yeah. Sony's a pain in the ass yeah, to get. It is to. that parking. That's tough. right. You told me that's right because you were doing some air conditioning stuff and you were like, "I'll just jet right over." I knew you lived on this side of the hill. Exactly. It's been a long day. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> well, how did I do? Did I answer all your questions? You did. This was so interesting. Where can people find you on social media or at your website? Plug um, away. I, uh, Roger Lundblad. You can find me on Facebook. I am I am terrible about being on Twitter. I I always I look back and I'm going, it's been that long since I posted anything. So I'm trying to be better on that. Um, and what's I, the name of your rescue in case people want oh, to? Oh, it's Southern California Bulldog Rescue, SB, SCBR. Uh, check it out. There's a... We have 100 dogs in our system now. They're just looking for homes. Bulldogs are amazing dogs, as they are for any, uh, every, any great dog. Bulldogs are adorable. Yeah, they're absolutely, we love them. And they like to play like they they're normal-sized dogs, and they're not. There's low to the ground. Yep. They're heavy, but they run like they're Crazy, Labradors. the wind. You saw that great commercial, <laughs> was it for Progressive or Geico, the running of the bulldogs? Yeah. Really. We have a new one out now, too, about bulldogs washing a car for uh, for a car company. It's really funny. Um, yeah, we love it. We have a little guy right now, three-legged bulldog called Aww. Diesel, who's just our pride and joy. So, And if I come home and I'm having a bad night, he doesn't know that. He's he's all over happy daddy's home, you know? Yeah. I am. Um, I, I absolutely love my life. My dad was a general contractor. First job I ever got fired was on a, on a construction site because I was too busy making the other construction guys laugh. My dad was like, go do something other than pound a nail. And I found I found warm-up, and I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, I love stand-up. You know, you're a road comic. You get tired of that. I, I, I just got tired of traveling, uh, cruise ships, and, and I was real happy. Now, you know, if I, if I get a busy week and I'm doing three sitcoms, 
I still got four days off. In fact, if I come back and I'm like, I'm pooped, and Sandra said, you worked three hours today, honey. Shut up. Right. Yeah, although there are a heavy three hours, but, you know, it's still. It's like nonstop. Yeah, still not nine to five. Yeah. It's, not like, yeah, it's not like sitting at your desk. You don't get any time to check your phone. You no. are on yeah. for three hours, which is literally like being on for seven. My, my DJ, if we're going long, he's like one time he'll text me because we'll communicate. Sometimes he's up high and I can't see him. Right. Or, and he'll go, dude, I got to pee. And I'm like, go, go. I cover. Uh, I, I'm like a camel. I don't know if camels go like great lengths without peeing. I say but I that can, all the time because yeah, I, I can hold it for forever. Yeah, I say, really? Yeah. I, I, so I can go the whole night. It's crazy. I don't know, but it's just as well because I, like I, I remember there was a guy that used to do warm-up who was a chain smoker, and every time they went on bell, he'd have to step outside and, <laughs> and smoke, oh, and I'm like, dude, how, how does that work? Yeah. So that's yeah. too much. That's too much energy. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. And one other thing, too, there is a, a, um, a Decker Dryer who is a uh, document, documentary guy that is now doing a documentary on myself and a few other warm-ups called I'm Just Warming Up uh, for Netflix. That's the plan. That's and fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if it's it's going to happen or not. I don't know how... D- I've never been involved with documentaries or anything like that, but we've interviewed quite a few guys, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So, well, I hope it happens. Well, thank you so much, Roger. My pleasure. I'm so, so grateful you Yay, it was so nice meeting me. you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much.